You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. And we're going to read in four, three passages of Scripture here today. So let's stand together for the reading of the Word. <coughs> I don't normally do this, but I'm going to take you to three different passages. And we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. Then we're going to go to the book of Luke. And then we're going to go to the book of 2 Peter. So we're looking at three different authors here. And Isaiah, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 7 and 9. And uh, just a couple of verses here together. And I love the Word of God, and I'm thankful for the Word of God today. And by the way, for those of you that are online, you may not realize that the church has been decorated for Christmas. Didn't they do an awesome job? Amen. And uh, I, I enjoy the Christmas season. Next Sunday, it's going to be our children's play, and it's going to be so wonderful. We're going to have our Sunday school morning series again next Sunday morning, then our children's play. So don't miss it, 945, and then the children's play. It's going to be a blessing. We have a special gift for everyone. In Isaiah chapter number 7 and verse number 14, Isaiah 7 and 14. And it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 500 plus years before the events would take place. Go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. God would speak through the mouth of His prophet. He would write this great prophecy. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to need another water. <coughs> and of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom to order it and to establish it with a judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Probably the most summarized prophecies of the entire narrative of the coming Messiah are those that we just read in Isaiah. I want you to Luke chapter 1. We'll read four verses of Scripture here. Luke chapter 1 and then just a couple in 2 Peter. <coughs> Luke as the author of the book of the Gospel according to Luke and the book of Acts, he writes here in the beginning and says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Look at verse number 2, he says. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word. Everybody say eyewitnesses. Which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. It seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. To write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty. Everybody say certainty. 
the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 16. 2 Peter chapter number 1, the apostle writes here and says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses. Everyone say eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses of his majesty. He says, for, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when they came, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased in this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now look at verse number 19. <clears throat> we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to you for just a couple minutes today on a sure word. Turn to somebody and tell them you can trust God's Word. You can trust God's Word. Would you lift your voice one more time with me? Let's ask God to have His way in this house this morning, Lord. I thank You today for Your Spirit. Thank You today for every promise, every blessing, God, every truth. And I ask today that Your Word would be in our heart, God, and in our life. We ask this by Your mighty name. One more time, can you lift up a voice of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord? You may be seated in the name of the Lord today. I want to just be a few minutes, but we read through our text here today, and these texts can do the speaking for me. There's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. But in our text that we read today, we began with the reading from the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah says 500 years before it takes place, he said there is going to be a child born of a virgin. 500 years before it takes place, Isaiah lets us know that the everlasting Father is Himself going to come down manifest as a child. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He prophesies these things. I love the book of Isaiah. He prophesies it as if it is happening then, but yet it's still going to take another 500 plus years before it actually takes place. He would go on later on in his book, and not only would he prophesy 
the birth of Jesus Christ, but he would prophesy the things that Christ would suffer on the cross. And when he writes about the birth of Christ, he writes about it in present tense. And when he writes about the, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, Isaiah writes about it in past tense, as if it's already happened, even though it's still going to take some 500 years <coughs> to carry out. He would say, he was wounded yes. for our right. transgressions. Right. Right. He was bruised for our iniquity. Amen. If you read that, you would think, well, Isaiah wasn't a good writer. Maybe he got his tense out of place. Maybe his timing was off. But reality lets us know, and the Scripture lets us know that it was not an accident that when God determines to do something, yes. those of us who are bound by time may have to wait for it to play out. But if God says it, it's as good Amen. as if it's already happening. Amen. Oh, hear me, somebody. When God says it, it's as good yes. as if it's already done. And so in the middle of, of, of horrible circumstances, Isaiah is testifying to a promise. And even though it's going to take 500 years to take place, Isaiah's testimony is, for unto us is born. His testimony is that the promise may play out in 500 years, but for those of us that believe today... The promise is for us right now. That you don't have to wait another 500 years to put your hope in God, to put your hope in Christ, but that you can put your hope in Him today. And when he begins to speak about the sacrificial work that Jesus would do, he speaks about it as if it's already done. He was letting people know that today, even though it hasn't been played out yet, Today, we can stand upon the hope and the promise that I can be healed today for what God is going to yet do. I'm here to tell you that we have a sure word today, and you can trust God's word. Turn to somebody and tell them you can trust God's word. So if we were to put that in the same manner, in the same context, in the same form, that means today that I can live in difficult circumstances, and yet I can possess today the promise and the hope yes. that God has for me now. Yes. Even though it may take years for things to still play out in my life, today... I can have the hope, yes. I can have the peace, I can have the joy Amen. that God has for me today. Amen. And this is not, this is not uh, some kind of a uh, positive thinking type hype, but this is the message of Scripture. This is what the Word of God brings to us. Now, 
we are, anybody in here skeptical people? I'm a, I'm a skeptical person. I, I'm a healthy skeptic. I, I like to think of a health of, as myself as a healthy skeptic or a realist. Those are the words that I like to apply to my life. My wife says I'm just a pessimist. But uh, I, 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 I like to prove things. I like to know things are sure. I, I want to know that things are sure. I don't want to find my, I don't, I don't just jump into risky situations. And such is the case when you're dealing with your life in eternity. And we come to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter number one. <coughs> and Luke writes, and he says here at the beginning, I had great understanding and so I decided that I was going to write some things down but if you're listening to what Luke is saying, Luke is giving a testimony of the early church. And here's what Luke is saying. He says, I, I set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. These things that I'm writing, he said, these are, these are believed among us. There is no contest. There is no question about this. Now, there may be other stories that we can't verify. Not everybody knows. He said, but what I am going to write, he said, these are most surely believed among us, even as they, de as, as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So Luke is saying here, he's saying that we were eyewitnesses to everything that took place in the life of Jesus Christ. This was uh, a common characteristic of the early church. They were not just a group of people, a few, uh, uh, that were following after what a few people thought, but there was a multitude, a host of people. Jesus' ministry was done in public. It was verifiable not only by the public record, but it was verified by the multitude of people. For instance, you don't just feed 5,000 men plus women and children with one Lunchable and word not get around. I mean, that didn't just happen. Like, this was a multitude of people. For all of those 5,000, they would go home and they would tell the firsthand accounts. You think of all the stories and all the accounts of all the things that take place. One of the most interesting things is what we celebrate here at the Christmas season and the Christmas time. The Christmas narrative, those first few moments and, and those moments leading up to the birth of Christ and, and His first few years on earth, are the highest concentration of angelic involvement anywhere in this Scripture narrative. It's high concentration of supernatural things. There's so many supernatural phenomenons that take place. You have angels appearing to mere humble shepherds on a Bethlehem hillside. You have a star that has drawn magi from halfway around the world, let's say, that are drawn, known by Scripture that something significant is taking place. All of these things come together. And <coughs> each one of these things are fulfillments 
of Old Testament prophecies. So we read in Isaiah where he says, a virgin shall conceive and shall bring forth a son. We know that it was of Bethlehem where he would be born, that there would be a flight to Egypt, that there would be uh, kings. The Bible said in, in the Old Testament that kings would arise and would come to his appearing. All of the events of the New Testament story. There's a man, Simon, that's in the temple and, and the prophetess that is there. And both of them are waiting for the coming Messiah. And God has told each of them that you are going to see the Messiah. And all of these things are fulfilled. All of these prophecies that are written by different individuals hundreds of year before, years before all culminates together to be fulfilled. And then Luke sits down and he writes and he says, I want to make sure that you know, Theophilus, he said that there is a multitude, there were many, and we were eyewitnesses. This is not just hearsay. This is not a conspiracy. There is no way that human mind could have threaded in part Truth here a few hundred years later. Truth here and here and here. And from all of these different people, there's no way that it could have ever come about. But it all came about. And he said, we, <coughs> we were ministers of the Word. We were eyewitnesses. We saw all these things. And, and Luke says, I want to write a record. I want to put it. I know we talked about it, but I want to put it down and settle it forever. And then we go to the book of Second Peter. This is a the epistle that the Apostle Peter himself would write, his last epistle. And he writes here, and he gives, he gives a nod to the fact that his life is getting ready to be taken away. He said, look, he says in, in chapter 1, in verse 13, he said, Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. He's letting them know that, yes, I've been your apostle, and I, I've, I've been the apostle with the keys of the kingdom, and I op I've opened some things up, he said, but now my life is coming to an end, and I am going to pass off. He says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. And he goes and he makes this argument again. He says, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. And then Peter uses his, his personal testimony. One of the most glorious things, moments that he was in, the Mount of Transfiguration, where he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, he says, which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. And then he uses an interesting thing. He says, <clears throat> we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I have something 
<coughs> more powerful than just a prophecy. He said, I have something more powerful than just a written word of prophecy. But he says, what I have, what he's testifying here, I have a more sure word of prophecy. You know what the more sure word of prophecy is? Let's, let's read it in the English, trans, English Standard Version. It says this, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. I don't know if you can get that up there. Uh, put, put, uh, do you have the ESV or do you have the MEV? I don't know. The ESV or do you have the... That's probably the one I want. I don't know if we have that. I'm always throwing new versions at them and we don't have that one. Okay, that's all right. They can take my word for it. They can look it up. They should Google my sermons anyways and make sure I'm preaching the Word of God. Look at what it says. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Here's what Peter is saying. I have something better than just a prophecy that was written hundreds of years ago that I'm waiting for. What I have is a prophecy that was written hundreds of years ago that's been confirmed. I have seen the prophecy fulfilled before mine eyes. This is what Luke is arguing, and this is what Peter is arguing. He is saying this, I have seen God's word come to pass. And if God's word has ever come to pass, then that means all of God's word is going to come to pass. You think about this. Now, now, now I'm thankful that I'm living, I'm living in 2021 where we have air conditioning and heat. Praise God. You thankful for that? Amen. But you think about the early church. The early church lived around some of the, the highest concentration of prophecy being fulfilled before their very eyes. Now, in the Old Testament, there were prophets, and they would prophesy certain things. And sometimes you would wait, and you would live all of your life just to see one prophecy fulfilled. God prophesied that he would take the children of Israel, and he'd carry them away into Assyria or into Babylon. And after 70 years, he prophesied he'd bring them back from Babylon. Could you imagine being Daniel and knowing you're living in prophecy, and you're counting down the days, but you know you have to live so many decades before you see the prophecy fulfilled. And then you come to the life of Christ. Think about this for just a moment. We've talked about Luke and we've talked about Peter. But think about this for just a moment. Think about Mary. How much prophecy did Mary see fulfilled with her eyes alone? There's no reason. There's, 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 there's no... Uh, uh, no question why Elizabeth would have looked at Mary and said, blessed are you among yes. women. You are going to see more prophecy fulfilled than anyone else. She saw the prophecies of Isaiah. 
<coughs> she saw the prophecies of all the Old Testaments coming together, culminating. And if I, I wish I had my list here back there of how many prophecies would be fulfilled in that narrative. Then the life of Christ that would live out all of the prophecies that would come to pass the life of Christ. You know, Jesus was always blowing their mind. There's things we read through Scripture. But you know, Jesus was always blowing their mind. In the Old Testament, there were three resurrections done by two different prophets. There was the resurrection of a young boy. There was a resurrection of a child of wealthy parents. And the last one was Elisha, the resurrection of a fully grown man. When they threw Elisha into the pit and the bones came back to life. The Bible says, and the man came back to life, and he left there. Do you know Jesus comes along on the scene? And did you know that Jesus Christ himself brought three people back from the dead? He brought the son uh, of a widow. He brought the child, the daughter of wealthy parents. And the last one, he stood before Lazarus, and he brought Lazarus back to life, a fully grown man. You know what Jesus was saying when he did those three things? You know what was so amazing? Was in the Old Testament, it was God, Jehovah, that had done those things through his prophet. But in the New Testament, Jesus was saying, I am God, manifest in the flesh. There were so many things that he was doing and he was blowing their minds. And this New Testament church got to see can you imagine seeing for a moment all of these things hundreds of years before written about and now they're watching them be fulfilled. And here's Peter at his death. Okay, well, let's, let's go back to Mary. Think about this. Mary, she sees the birth of Christ. She talks to angels. She sees the birth of Christ. She sees all of these things play out. She watches her son be crucified. She sees him after his resurrection. And then the beautiful thing on the day of Pentecost, where is Mary? She's there in the upper room. Not only did Mary see all the prophecies of the Messiah come to pass, not only did she see all of the miracles come to pass, but guess what was happening on the upper room? On the upper room, Peter says, look, this is not something that we've made up. But Peter says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. They are watching prophecy is coming to pass. It's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. Can I tell you the thing that sets apart Christianity from any other religion in the world no other religion in the world takes a prophetic stance. No other religion in the world prophesies what is going to happen because that's risky business. But your Bible, 70% of your Bible has prophesied what is going to come to pass. Much of that has already been fulfilled. And here is what Peter says when he dies. And I come to a close with this. He said, I was an eyewitness. I stood there. Nobody can come and convince me. He said, I saw all the things that Jesus did. I've been an eyewitness. And he said, now my life is going to be taken and I am going to be gone. He said, and what I want to convince you of, he said, is this, that you have a sure 
word. You have something that you can trust in. You have something that you can believe in. You have something that you can put your hope in. Peter was saying, I won't always be here. There's going to be a time where things are going to fade away. and You may find yourself on your own. But what I'm here to tell you today is you have a sure word. You have something more powerful than man's opinions. You have something more powerful than just my experience. You can trust God's word. Everything God said has come to pass. Here Peter is (coughs) probably identifying a little bit that he was the skeptic. And I'm going to tell you, this word has been wrestled with. This word has been challenged. This word has been searched. And here we are in 2021, and not one word of God's word has failed. You have a sure word. This whole book, the Old Testament holds the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. They didn't throw away the Old Testament. When Peter and Luke were writing, they were writing about the Old Testament. They were saying, we have a sure word because we prove the Old Testament. Here it is written. And everything that God said, it's written, it's true, it's right there. So we have something that we can stand on. We have something that we can be built on. For eight days, I had a fever. It wasn't an extreme fever. It was about 101, 102, I think it, 102.5 was the highest it got. My wife says that's a radio station. Eight days, and I couldn't break the fever. I'd I'd take ibuprofen, and then I'd take Tylenol, and it would go back and forth. And the craziest thing, and I know others in here have had Severe cases, we, we were not severe, thank God for that, never dehydrated and all that. But one of the weirdest things throughout that whole thing, I, I called that first Sunday and had everything, had Brother Carraway take care of the dedication and Brother Bollinger preach. And I, was, I slept through service that morning. I, I would have been watching, but I was sleeping. And so I got up that afternoon and I watched service online. And, and then about day four came along and that's when it really hit me. And the, the crazy thing, I remember on one of those days, I couldn't read it. Man, you, you think, okay, I'm, I'm bound at home, so I'm going to take care of things. No, you're not taking care of nothing. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm going to get all... No, the craziest thing, Brother Peshlakai, I couldn't read anything. I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't have the mental capacity. You don't even want to talk to people. I didn't want to watch anything. It's like my mind just was like, no, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do it. And I remember specifically, and I don't know, maybe, maybe this isn't your case, but I remember thinking, God, I, I, should, I have all this time. I should be reading my Bible and praying. But I'd open up my Bible, and I, I, couldn't, even, I couldn't even read. And I'd pray, and I'd be like, God, what? I, don't, I can't even pray. Like my mind is... My mind is at a place where I don't even think I can pray. I've never been in a place where I couldn't pray. I've never had a problem asking God for things, you know. But I was like, God, I, I don't even know what I can pray. 
And I remember just thinking, <clears throat> this must have been what David said when he said he was lost. When he would write in Psalms, and, and David was acknowledging is a powerful thing. David would say, look, God, I love you, but right now I'm lost. I don't know how to love you. I don't know how to get back to you. I don't know how to say anything. So I'm, I'm just calling out for help for you. I'm going to tell you, there, there's deeper things in life. <laughs> like being a mile away from the nearest person underground when you have an accident. Lose your arm. <laughs> wow. Peter says this, of everything you're going to go through, there's something that you can trust. And he said, I have a more sure word of prophecy. I'm not just holding on to a promise that somebody spoke that says, someday it's going to be better. And someday you're going to get through all the trouble. I'm not living for the someday. Peter said, I have a sure word today. I know there's things written that haven't been fulfilled, but he said, I've been eyewitness to so much that God has already done. What Peter's saying in his parting epistle, his final thing is he's saying, I will be gone. But when I'm gone, there is something that you can trust. You can trust God's word. You can stand on God's word. You can know that God's word is true and everything in it, if it hasn't already come to pass, is going to come to pass. And so today I'm here to just let somebody know you can trust God's word. You can trust God's word. You need to trust God's word. Stand together with me. You can't always trust that the pastor is going to be well. You can't always trust that everybody's just going to be healthy. You can't always trust that on Sunday morning you're going to come, be able to worship in a dynamic place with 170 people lifting their voice because there's things that happen in life that pull and separate and things that come, but one thing you can be sure of is God's Word. So let's, let's look. What does God's Word say? Well, it said that Messiah is coming, and he, and he came. You know what else it says? It says, it's, it says He's coming again. <laughs> and we celebrate Christmas because we celebrate the reality that He came first. But if He came first at all, if that's true at all, He's coming again. And you could trust that. And you could put your hope and you could put your faith in that. But also you've got to live your life knowing i got to be ready when Jesus comes. I've got to be ready when He comes. He didn't just come as a babe in a manger so that we could come and give gifts to one another and sing songs once a year. No, He came so that our lives could be changed and that our hearts could be surrendered to Him and that we could put our trust in God. 
Lord, in Jesus' name today, I thank You for the privilege that we have to come into Your presence. I thank You today for the gift of life that enables us to gather and to worship. I thank You for every blessing and every promise. Lord, I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice, including me, that our hope would not stand in the wisdom of men, God, that it would not stand in our ability, but that, God, we would put our faith in a more sure word of prophecy, that we would trust Your Word. I pray, God, for every person, every need that is represented in this house today. God, I'm not just talking about finances and sickness. I'm talking about the deep needs of our soul. God, that we would live our life in such a way that we would trust Your Word. That we would ready our soul before heaven and eternity. That, God, we would live our life according to Your commands and according to Your wishes and Your desires. I pray today, God, that we could walk in an assurance knowing, God, that we have seen You do mighty things, but there are greater things that You are yet going to do. And I pray that every person, God, today would trust You with their heart and their life today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, God. My faith is in You today. In the name of the Lord. I wonder if somebody can lift your voice toward heaven today. I wonder if somebody could lift your hand toward heaven today, God. Come on, if you've been an eyewitness of His miracle power, if you've been a witness of His testimony, you are a blessed person today. Come on, I wonder if there's somebody here today that God can thank the Lord for what He's done in your life. Come on, we have handled Him. We have touched Him. We, we are witnesses of His glory here today. God, I want my life to be built upon Your Word. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, church, right where you're at, right where you're at. Come on, God, I'm going to give my life to you. Come on, let the Holy Ghost be your anchor. Let his truth be your guide. Hallelujah, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody today needs to put your hand back in the master's hand. Come on, somebody today needs to step out of the boat. Somebody today needs to put faith back in God this morning. Come on, the Spirit is here and drawing you today. Would you join me at an altar or at a pew, at a place to pray? Would you join me at a reconsecration? Would you join me at a dedication of your life before heaven today? God, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, Lord, we surrender everything to you today.